Speaking Queerly. Hello, my name is Madame Jo Mama and you are listening to Speaking Queerly, the podcast. Thank you so much for choosing our little show, your little podcast, as your podcast of choice on this wonderful day that you decide to listen to us. I was tempted to say Thursday, but <laughs> I didn't. As always, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Rudy Thinsmith. Hello, darling. Hello, Joe. How are you tonight? I am Stunita Bonita. Uh, very happy. How are you? I am also very happy. I am thrilled to be launching this podcast venture with you, my darling. Uh, we have obviously previously uh, been found on Dumfries Community Radio, which is sadly no more. Uh, but we will be moving forward in exciting new directions with this podcast. And you can still find us in all the usual places online. You can find us on Facebook under Speaking Queerly with Madam Joe and Ruri. Or you can find us on Instagram and threads at speaking.queerly. You absolutely can. And tonight, well, I say tonight, at your current moment of listening, <laughs> whenever you're listening, and that can be whenever, because, you know, podcasts. Uh, tonight, for the first episode, we're going to sit down, we're going to tell you a little bit about ourselves and what Speaking Queerly has been for the last year, because when we drop this, it is our anniversary show. It absolutely will be. Which will be strange for those who haven't listened before to get your wee heads around, but we'll explain it. Don't worry. Do not worry. Um, so, Rudy. Joe. This is strange. This is incredibly, incredibly strange. Although I, I have to say, I do love the ambience in this room. I'm loving the aesthetic. <laughs> um, bask in the ambience. Very nice. It's So, we are now at the Stove, which is a building in town in Dumfries, uh, which is where we're fae. <laughs> uh, if you couldn't tell by the accents. Um, this is a strange one for us because we're used to being in a big studio up at the Crichton Central, which is a lovely cafe in Dumfries, um, in one of the most beautiful parts of Dumfries. Absolutely, it is. And now we're in the town centre. <laughs> There's screaming wains outside. and Well, uh, because we're recording this on Halloween. We absolutely are, so there's a lot going on outside. There's geysing. <laughs> you hodding Halloween? I No, not really, actually. No, neither am I. You. <laughs> well, that's just it. I don't hold Halloween. Do you know? No. That's quite disappointing of the you, The sweeties actually. are for me. <laughs> Unless they're wanting all the stuff for Starbucks that hasn't been sold that day, they're getting hee-haw. Well, I live in a funny out-of-the-way cul-de-sac, so I get prepped for Halloween every year nobody comes. Oh, no. So. <laughs> Bless you. Sad. Bless you. With your spooky wee fish tank. Oh, it's, it's, it's not that spooky. It's a wee bit spooky. It's got a frog in it. Oh, has it? Yeah, I've got a Congo frog. Do you know, I've passed that, <laughs> a, a Congo frog. Yeah, Congo frog. Well, I've passed that fish tank many a times and I've never seen your Congo frog. <laughs> he's offy wee. He's, 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 he's a wee oh. frog. Well, anyway, we will be back with a little bit about us just after this. So if you're listening to Speaking Queerly for the first time, hi, I'm Madam <laughs> Jo Mama. And you are? And I am Rudy Thinsmith. So, Rudy, let's 
let the people in. Let's tell them a little bit about ourselves. So tell them a bit about yourselves. A little bit about me. I am uh, a gay man. My pronouns are he, him. And I am a communications professional living and working in Dumfries and Galloway. And I am delighted to join my best friend in the world, Madame Jo, every week to bring you this uh, podcast. Um, continuing on the work that we've been doing for a year as a uh, part of a local radio station. So you didn't. So so you grew up. You were sort of born in Dumfries and Galloway. I was. It's a it's a complicated trajectory. I I, I have a um, a Scottish mum and an Australian dad. Uh, they met here. I was born in Dumfries and Galloway, but I actually spent most of my life and all of my education out in Sydney, Australia. Uh, so I grew up there and like a salmon, um, I found my way back to my place of birth when I was about 18. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, since then, I have been away from university. I've, I've lived in Sweden for a while as well, but I have found my way back to my roots and I'm now happily settled in Loch Maben with my fiance. Oh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. And do you know what? Can't believe you've been here since you were 18. Absolutely. I, uh... I don't want to think about. The I mean, we'll get into we'll get into how we met. We absolutely at some will. point, but I cannot believe it's been ten years. It has been ten years. It has been ten yeah. years since since I've uh, since I've known you, Joe. And um, I think now would be an absolutely exciting time for you to tell the people exactly who is the woman, the legend, Madame Jo. Who is she? Well, Madame Jo Mama, which is I, is Dumfries' burly bearded beauty. Uh, I am a drag artist living and working in Dumfries and Galloway. Uh, on top of that, I have my own business. Uh, it's called Urhus. Um, for those outside of Scotland, our house. Um, <laughs> Urhus. And that's how it's that's how it's put on the on the registration. Um I, I'm a business owner. I run Urhus with another local drag legend in Dumfries and Galloway called Divine Tension. Um that is a wee program for up and coming LGBTQIA plus individuals um who are looking to, you know, get into some sort of creative practice, whether that be singing, whether they want to be a drag artist, a poet. They want to just do a wee monologue every now and again. They can do whatever they want. Um, and we'll be running workshops as part of Urhus as well. Um, on top of that, I'm a barista <laughs> um, in my boy job. And I live in Dumfries with my wonderful husband and my plethora of pets. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a little bit of Madame Jo Mama. A little bit of Madame Jo Mama and a little bit of Rudy Thinsmith. We love that. Yes, and if you have any questions about who we are, what we do, you, know, you can always find us on at speaking.queerly on Instagram and threads. Send us a wee question. You can do the same on Facebook as well if you search for Speaking Queerly with Madame Jo and Rudy. You absolutely can. I need to specify now. It's R-U-A-R-I-D-H <laughs> for Rudy. That is an important specification because for uh, the better part of a year, we've been telling everybody where they can find us on social media with uh, probably not giving enough consideration to the fact that I have a very complicated... I have, I have a couple <laughs> of times whilst we've been on air went R-U-A-R-I-D-H. <laughs> I don't know how I can do that so eloquently. I just it flows. I can barely do that. Fair. Fair enough. Um so Rudy and I have been friends for ten years. Have we Oh that's a lamp. We should just backhanded the lamp. If if there's anything you need to know about speaking queerly, it's the most chaotic thing you'll ever listen to. (laughs) We can now say fuck. 
We absolutely can say fuck. We can say all sorts of things. That's we can rare. Say. I don't. I don't know if we can say the c word though. Can we know? I think people cunt. Let's find <laughs> out. <laughs> I was just a, a cunt. I was about to say it too. So right. Okay. So. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, but if you didn't know, Ruri and I have been friends for 10 years. We met in the, <laughs> the, the woods around the castle lock in Loch Maven. We did. Because um, that's where I'm from. That's where you live. And that's where I live now, yeah. Um, and we, we met because it's, right, this woman comes up to us with our daughter. And it was myself, my husband, then boyfriend, and a friend. And we were sat at this wee bench. Now, I was underage. <laughs> I was 17, my husband was of age, um, and our friend was also underage. And we were sat and we were drinking vodka and orange juice, <laughs> because we're classy. Very classy indeed. And this woman comes around and she goes, there better not be vodka in that. We're like, no. There was. <laughs> there absolutely there was. absolutely was. And then she disappears, she comes back. And she's got this young man with her. <laughs> and this young man was invited to come and sit with us by um, our friend at the time. Absolutely. And the rest is her story. It absolutely is her story. That was a, that was a fun little meet cute that we had. It was cute. It was. It was uh, kind of mortifying that my mother and her terrible patter <laughs> um, <laughs> was the precursor to our meeting. But um, I was very grateful for the invitation to come and drink vodka and orange juice with you. And look at us now on that bench. And absolutely, look at you us now. You were a groomsman at my wedding. I was indeed. Uh, I, I believe I'm part of your wedding. Party. You are indeed. When I get there, you will be <laughs> a vision in yellow. Uh, yes, you've been assigned yellow. You chose yellow, in fact. I love yellow. Um, so I'm very excited for that. So j- for clarification around that um i apart from my two sisters there are seven other people in my bridal party well groom's party i don't know what yes groom's party groom's party and um we have decided in true queer spirit to uh, assign everybody a color of the rainbow and uh, madame joe will be appearing in yellow a vision in yellow a vision in yellow a vision in yellow and that's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to that. But we've been such big parts of each other's lives the last 10 years. And last year, in the, I want to say like maybe the August, September time, mm-hmm. we were approached by our local community radio station, one of our local community radio stations, Dumfries Community Radio, and Les Ross, who runs one of the local pubs in Dumfries, the Doogie Arms, oi oi, big em up. <laughs> and they asked me initially, hey, do you fancy doing uh, an LGBTQIA plus radio show up at Dumfries Community Radio? I jumped on that. I was like, yes, absolutely. And then I just had to rope you in. You absolutely did. And I'm so glad that you did because we were talking about this when we had our closing show just uh, last week. Um, we we've never spent more time together in that we 10 years and actually it's been it's been such a lovely year mm-hmm. um and it's given us a real focus and and a real platform to talk about rural queer issues uh, and i think getting together and putting the world's debate with you is the highlight of my week i would say so too i would say so too it's a lot of fun um but that, so we had our first episode on the 3rd of november 2022 yeah, and we'd been on the air every week ever since. We absolutely have. I, I, I haven't necessarily. <laughs> 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 we, 
Listen, oh, that was a snort. Oh, I just snorted. I do apologize. I'm, no it I'm making it louder. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm quite known for that. Um, I'm sure that'll unfold in the film as a time. I'm sure it will. Uh, but it was quite a pronounced snort there. It was. Do you remember last year at Steaming when you were asked to make the pig noise? <laughs> yeah, I absolutely. So there's a, sh- a drag show in Dumfries called Steaming. And at the inaugural Steaming, which was last October, uh, Ruri was asked to make a pig noise. Well, yeah. And well, Divine Tension approached me with the microphone and said, um, "What noise does a pig make?" And before I say how I answered that, I just want to preface: they had walked around to everybody else and said, "Say, for example, what noise does a cat make?" And the person asked about the cat would make a, a very dainty meow. Yeah. Do you know? Say the sound. Say the sound. Say the sound. So I probably should have said oink. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Just oink. Just simple. Yeah. It's not what I did. No, it wasn't. You snorted into that microphone. I absolutely went ham you into the microphone. Like grunted. A pig digging for truffles. And um It was fantastic. I don't think that this town will ever recover. It was fantastic. I I think that's one adjective for it. Uh-huh. But in our time at DCR we we got to do so many cool things. But the one that I always come back to was our time at Eden Festival. Absolutely. Where we got to cover Eden Festival for DCR and subsequently I was invited to host the bloody main stage on the Friday. <laughs> which wasn't on my bingo card for twenty twenty three, let alone the day, the day before being asked, but that's what happened. Uh, and I s- saved uh, General Levy from a caravan. You did indeed save General Levy from a caravan. That was and a good I don't time. think I was the only person that night to save him from a caravan as well. He was having a particularly difficult time of it with those caravans. General Levy, not a fan of caravans, confirmed. 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 And I feel like we can talk about that sort of stuff now. We absolutely can. I, I, I think uh, we are going to have a lot more freedom with this podcast and that should delight and terrify you in equal measure. I could not agree more. (laughs) I could not agree more. And what's really exciting is now full transparency. I don't know if I'm going to be playing music during our podcasts. I think that we will just have to play that by ear. I'm going to, I'm going to edit it later on when I get home um, and see how it goes. And if I feel like it needs some music, we'll put some music in there. Just chuck a bit of music just in. Just chuck a bit of music just in. Just for effect. Aye. Ambience. Aye. Well, listen, regardless of whether we decide to have music or not, we will come back to you in just a wee moment. So what we should do as a little glossary of things in terms of like terms that we say... Yeah. I think we should run over some of the subjects that we often talked about up at DCR and bring everyone up to speed if they're not already aware. Absolutely, we should. Um, Just for clarity to build on that, we had been running um, our regular radio show, Speaking Queerly, every Thursday for pretty much the past year. Yeah. And uh, we obviously have built up a bit of a format around that. So there are certain segments that we used to do that we will be carrying forward into the podcast, which is really exciting. And we look forward to to continuing to bring that. But also, um, we are obviously members of a fairly small rural community, so there are plenty of concepts um, that we have returned to time and time again. You know, places, spaces, people that we have introduced over the course of the show, and uh, it probably makes sense to make sure that you get a crash course 
on Speaking Queerly Terminology 101. I would absolutely agree. And the first thing that you brought up to me there was talking about the doogie. Absolutely the doogie. The Douglas Arms. The Doogie Arms. <laughs> it is a pub here in Dumfries and Galloway run by the incredible landlady extraordinaire Les Ross, uh, or to you and I, Fat Dad. <laughs> and she is a queer woman herself with her wonderful wife, Lindsay, uh, are, are just a wonderful couple. They're absolutely great. And Les was our show sponsor via the Doogie Arms uh, up at DCR. So if you ever hear us talking about the doogie, e.g., oh, we had a fair good night in the doogie, <laughs> or Les was in the doogie, you are aware of the context there, right? Y- you understand. <laughs> you get it. You get it. Another person you might hear being brought up quite a lot is Divine Tension. Absolutely. And Steeman. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about Steeman just slightly. Just briefly. Just slightly earlier there. So Steeman is a drag show here in Dumfries and Galloway. It's Dumfries' first monthly drag cabaret show that is held at Chancer's Nightclub. Chancer's is a nightclub here in Dumfries who have been so supportive of the drag scene here in Dumfries and Galloway. Um, and if you ever hear us talk about Steeman or Divine Tension... You've, now you've got an idea. Divine is also one of my very close friends um, in and out of drag um, and also my business partner for Urhus. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, it is uh, just so fantastic to be able to get oriented and situated in, you know, who's who uh, mm-hmm. in, in the queer scene in Dumfries and Galloway. And, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I suppose the Stove Network as well. The Stove Network is a... You're probably better explaining it, to be fair, because <laughs> I'm not very good at explaining it. It has a cafe. It does indeed. It has a cafe, and it has all sorts of exciting bookable spaces that you can use. But more uh, more than that, the stove is a, a creative placemaking network. So, a um, hub. A hub, absolutely. It is a hub. It's a, it's a collective of people who are committed to making Dumfries and Galloway um, uh, just generally a more creative and vibrant and exciting place to live. Um, we used to host our show up at uh, Dumfries Community Radio up at the Crichton, but we yeah. are now very kindly, courtesy of the stove, using podcasting equipment and one of the rooms in the stove building. So uh, we're super grateful to the Stove Network for providing us with this space yeah and we're very grateful to martin at the stove network as well because he has provided us with equipment and a space and yeah just absolutely top tier bloke absolutely Love previous you, uh, martin previous uh, speaking queerly guest as yes, well yes martin has been a guest on speaking queerly because he's the creative director here right yeah yeah that's it love you martin um but yeah, we if anything else comes up where we're like, mm, you should maybe know about that. Absolutely, we'll about we will. It. We will keep you in the loop. One thing I would like to keep in the loop here on speaking queerly is something that I want to carry over from our radio show, and that is Rue's queer fact <laughs> of the week. Now Rue has every single Thursday. Or for the ones he was there for. Uh, Let's face it, you you probably missed three. I think three, yeah. So, you know, 49 out of 52 ain't bad. 
<laughs> um, but Ruri, every week, would bring a different queer fact to the radio show and would tell us about it on the radio show and to our wonderful listeners. And if you ever want to listen back to any of the previous ones, you can actually head over to Mixcloud and listen to old Speaking Queerly episodes and you'll get a queer fact every single week. I absolutely will. Um, and I would be so delighted to carry over pardon me carry over the queer fact um that was a lot of fun uh, to do as a regular segment on the show i'm not saying i uh, i didn't leave it to the last minute every week <laughs> have you even done it for this week? i i haven't yet but there's well uh, listen we'll get it now we'll we'll go for a quick break we absolutely we'll come will. back and we'll queer fact it up i will be fully prepped with an exciting queer fact for and you i'm excited for it <laughs> So, welcome back to Speaking Queerly. Rudy. Joe. May I have your queer fact? You absolutely may have my queer fact. Would you like your new jingle? I would absolutely die for my new jingle. Here's your new jingle. Absolutely love that new jingle. Anyone who um, has been a, a regular fan of the, the show in its uh, radio lifetime will remember that there was a slightly different jingle for speaking. You had two jingles in total. I did indeed have two jingles in total. And um, I, uh, I, I just absolutely adore racking up new jingles, evidently. There we go. So uh, on to the queer fact. I have, uh, as we said before, I've I've enjoyed bringing a queer fact every single week um, for speaking queerly, and we we've tended to focus on areas of interest, whether they be topical. We've talked a lot about trans rights. It's it, you know we we like to consider um, making sure that there's a broad representation in the queer fact. Uh, and, and we we've looked a lot at. Uh, queer elders that have came before because some of their stories are absolutely fascinating and one of the other things that we look at quite a lot is experiences of um, other LGBTQ plus people around the world in different kind of cultural contexts. We've looked over the course of the show uh, at how LGBTQ plus relationships have uh, evolved in other parts of the world but we haven't actually looked at China before. Have we not? We haven't indeed and I thought I would have a wee a wee foray into uh, what those relationships have historically looked like in China. And it's actually, as usual, absolutely fascinating. Um, obviously, can only cover a very small part of that. But one thing that really stuck out to me was, quite similarly to lots of other places in the world, um, we were actually seeing same-sex relationships relatively tolerated in China up until a certain point in history. And then social attitudes started to change and became slightly more conservative. And we've seen this happen so many different points throughout history. Um, and I, I just think that's really interesting when you delve into the reasons for that. So during the early years of the People's Republic of China, that's around 1949 to 1976, um, same-sex relationships were actively discouraged uh, and China really started to crack down on them because they were considered to be counter-revolutionary and harmful to the revolutionary cause. So there is a number of possible reasons for that. First of all, the Chinese Communist Party or the CCP at that time, it was upholding really conservative family values and traditional gender roles. So same-sex relationships were seen as a deviation 
from those values that they were trying to um, implement. Um, it was also thought that in order to have a tight control uh, and regulation over society, it would be much easier to control people if you were forcing them into a heteronormative relationship context. And they, they felt that uh, non-heteronormative relationships would be a challenge to that authority. There was also huge influence in China from the Soviet Union at that time. Uh, and as we know, we've, we've spoken about this previously on the show. Uh, similarly, in Russia and other parts of the Soviet Union, really fairly liberal attitudes towards homosexuality up until a certain point. Um, and then... Uh, with the the change of regime a massive crackdown on same-sex relationships um there there was a real uh, moral and ideological stance taken by the the ccp on homosexuality and they did consider it very much a bourgeois decadence so they associated it with you know the ruling elite uh, and what, what they were considering a sort of a moral depravity um, and that that was really interesting because that was similar to to what we um talked about in russia when we looked mm. at russia in yeah. pure fact so uh fascinating very and really really important i think to to talk about those contexts so that we can see how resistance to uh, same-sex relationships and um, how we're challenged quite often in the media, that definitely goes in peaks and troughs and there are spikes. Well, we're seeing it now with our trans siblings, you know, just yeah. how quickly the attitude has changed. I mean, 10 years ago, no one really batted an eyelid and if they did, you know, they were the problem. Whereas now, just with the Conservative government pushing... Um, the trans, uh, I, what's, what's that I'm trying to say? With with the conservative government sort of barking down the necks of of, of trans people, yeah. you know, it's it's now becoming a lot more common to hear transphobia from you know people just walking about in the streets and on media. Yeah, um, and it goes to show you just how quickly it can all change. Absolutely, and I, I think. Um, that's something that I I, re I really wanted to make that point with that fact and you know to kind of to to reach back through the the mists of time to the other queer facts that we've uh, covered in a similar vein. We absolutely do see social attitudes change in that way, mm -hmm. um, and you're absolutely right, Joe. We we have been seeing that happen uh, for trans people in the last wee while and it's really disturbing. And it's something that we haven't shied away from talking about on the show. We never did, even when we were. <laughs> governed by uh, Ofcom regulations and trying not to get too do you political. Know, do you know what we can say now? Fuck you, Rishi Sunak. <laughs> Suck on my big hairy clit. We absolutely can say that to to the Prime Minister and tell him to give himself a, a good shake and get it together and smell you... a Braverman and off. Yes, she's a fucking dick. <laughs> I love being able to swear on a broadcast. Oh, it's absolutely rare. 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 Uh, fabulous queer fact as always, Ruri. Thank you and very much. if you want to listen back to any of Ruri's old queer facts when we were up at DCR, you can do so by heading to Mixcloud and for searching DCR online, it should pop up and all the Speaking Queerly episodes will be there. They absolutely will. Do you know what? I actually think I curated a little playlist of Speaking Queerly, so I might just pop that on our socials. I think that would be a good idea. Um, uh, it would be awesome, I think, for people to be able to have that opportunity to listen back, get themselves oriented with... Uh, Do you know what I th I'm, I'm going to see? Because I've actually got some Speaking Queerly episodes on my computer. 
I wonder if I'll be able to upload some old speaking queerlies uh, from DCR, but that's something I'll have to look into. Yeah, that'd be absolutely. nice. From the vaults, <laughs> a walk back the vaults. Through, through our time. Absolutely, and what a time it's been, and it has been a year since we. They we shaken wee lassies went on the air <laughs> up at DCR and done their first broadcast. Can you remember that day? I absolutely can because uh, I was so nervous. I can't remember it. You can't remember it. No, that's uh, that's your trauma response is blocking that out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> probably. But what I do remember though is that first episode didn't get recorded. Something went wrong on the system. Oh, I I remember that. So you can go on to the like, Mixcloud and search for our first episode, but it's lost to the annals of time. Uh, we that's it was a one-off, one-time-only thing. Yeah. And probably for the best because I was shaking like I really wish I could listen to it back. But even listening to old episodes of Speaking Queerly now Mm -hmm. from our DCR days, the difference between then versus now is insane. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I was thinking about this a little bit the other day and I I think we have come a long way uh, in terms of the, the show. But I think that a lot of that confidence growing kind of matches where we kind of took the kid gloves off a little bit mm-hmm. um so to provide a bit of background context to that we obviously tried to be very careful uh, in the past you know it was a radio show on a community radio station the station had guidelines and we were conscious that we didn't want to get too political yeah and i think it wouldn't be wrong to say and to point out it's very very difficult to to have a show that really properly holds the space that it needs to for LGBTQ plus issues without getting ever so slightly or a lot political. Um, and there, there came a point where we really started to realize we're just going to have to wear the the consequences of this, but we're going to have to start to push the boat out. And, and push the boat out, we did. And we I don't think we ever shied away from a certain point from talking about the difficult issues, from really making sure that we were giving space to um or 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 to or to be absolutely clear uh, that we will always be and have always been um a a show based on inclusive values that we're always going to be a safe space for any lgbtq plus person and um, that we're never going to pander to any of the toxic rhetoric that we're seeing really ramp up in the media and um i i really think that that was where we started to Oh gosh, that's when we we really just let loose a little bit. Yeah. And I think we were let away with quite a bit more because of the type of show we were. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because although we were an LGBTQI plus talk show with music, you know, you can't really sit there and go, so Rishi Sunak said some bad things. <laughs> oh well. No, you kinda, you've got to hold people to account. Absolutely. And you can't do that by shying away from the political party that's doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So although when we were up there, it was always very um, DCR and speaking queerly, do not align with any political parties. Bullshit. I'm <laughs> such a left wing person yeah. that like trying to praise the conservatives for doing anything is difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is, it's so difficult to find... Uh, excuses um in fact there are no excuses there are none um for for the behavior that we're seeing come from the conservative party in recent years it's sheer ignorance coming from the the conservatives right now i mean even um rishi when he he gave that speech you know the man is a man a woman is a woman thing yeah 
he said they simply cannot change sex. No one's asking to change sex. Yeah, it's a deliberate it's about gender. Yeah, you're, you're you're changing your gender. Your gender is not assigned to you at birth. Yeah, your sex is what your organs align with. Yeah, goes into one of two categories. But you know, it's 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 detailed through the annals of time that like people th- have not always been one side or the other when it comes to the binary of gender yeah absolutely and you know i really do think people need to look back in the past to the past even and go actually what's the harm completely and i think looking to the past is something really interesting i think there's a misconception um that oh, well, we live in a really inclusive time and things are getting better and better for LGBTQ plus people. And they absolutely are. We are seeing, we've talked about this on the show before, you know, we are obviously seeing progress and a greater level of acceptance in recent years for same-sex attracted people. And that's great news and that's exciting. But um, I think that we, uh, as people are very wary of, you know, celebrating too quickly when our uh, trans and non-binary siblings are in, um, in a bit of dire straits. But... It wouldn't be correct to say you look back in history and it's always been a grim time for LGBTQ plus people. There have been so many different cultural contexts in ancient history, even, you know, in in some other parts of the world, more modern history, where there was such a different level of discourse and inclusivity around queer lives. Yeah. And what we're actually seeing is a lot of this resistance, a lot of this hatred. That's a modern phenomenon. And it's getting, you know, it's being weaponized and utilized against us in really difficult ways. We've just talked about how we saw that happen in China, where they weaponized, um, you know, same-sex relationships as immoral, as representative of of what they saw as as a corrupt ruling class. Um, And that's happening again. Do you know, uh, the, the one thing that really concerns me more than anything is young people. Oh, yeah. And we have a real big issue here in Dumfries where young people are loitering around Dumfries High Street. And I'm not being funny. I can look out onto Dumfries High Street now. There's nobody kicking around at the moment. But you give that a, another hour or two, that high street will be packed with people under the age of 16. Yeah. Who are just awful. They're such wee pricks. Absolutely. Some of the thing now, drag is a job. Yes, it is. And so is being a barista. Yes, it is. When I go to Starbucks, do I get hurled abuse by random kids in the street? No, I don't. So why is it any fucking different when I'm walking to Chancellor's to go and do a gig? Which, I'm not being funny, Mm. I'm being paid a boatload more for. Yeah, absolutely. And it is mental. The things that that have been said to us here in Dumfries is fucking disgusting. Absolutely. Specifically, so Divine lives in and around Dumfries High Street. I'm obviously not going to give that away. But Divine lives in and around Dumfries High Street and she'll quite often just walk to wherever she's going and that is usually chancers for steaming mm-hmm. or the doogie arms yeah or the granary the granary is is um, another venue in town that supports lgbtqi plus artists and whenever she leaves that house she is so anxious mm-hmm. and so wound up and uptight and i feel fucking heart sorry for her yeah absolutely. i really do to the point now where i've started like if i'm going to be passing 
Devine mm-hmm. and her home, I will pick her up. Yeah. Because I don't want to be walking out in drag either. No, absolutely. It's horrid. It is horrid. And I think there are so many issues at play. And these are things, you know, that we're, we're probably going to unpack in so much more detail over the course of, of the show. Um, one of those issues at play there is that this is a, a relatively rural community. And there's a different level of or a different standard of behavior, I think, among people. Um, in a rural community sometimes they're so fucking big ignorant it's a shock to the system um but one of the really shocking things around that as well is that there is a real youth issue around that because again you're almost like noticing a kind of a weird wave where you know there are certain people that feels like of a certain age demographic or whatever that you're going to pass in the street and they might have a wee snigger or something quite nippy to say behind their hand but they're not outright hurling direct abuse at you but then there's like a demographic of people and it is sadly a younger demographic which should be really worrying because you know aren't we supposed to be seeing more inclusivity more tolerance extremely worrying it's so so worrying and do you know the amount of people that have walked past me in drag i mean one prime example was when we done the pride rally on dumfries high street for pride and i think that the name was self-explanatory i don't think i needed to (laughs) further explain but anyway when we'd done the pride rally divine and i walked from divine's house in full drag i I decided to do bald drag that day mm-hmm. so no hair nothing it was just me in a dress with a big bald head and people walked by and went oh my god you look beautiful i'm like thank you mm-hmm. oh you look amazing thank you that is so kind yeah. but then there were kids walking up um uh, someone walked up uh, a kid can't have been any older than 15 Walked up the high street, passed the stage, went, fuck the gays. Mm. Eh? Absolutely. Where the fuck are they learning that sort of shit? Well, th- I mean, I I am really worried about the way that social media has gone. Um, so, w- w- you know, we introduced ourselves at the start of this podcast. I, I am a communications professional. I work in communications. That's my day job. Um, I won't say where or for whom, <laughs> um, but uh, when, you know, I, I've obviously watched social media evolve um, so quickly uh, and, and, and from a professional vantage point as well. And one of the things that really disturbs me is since the rise of things like TikTok, it's become, I think, so much more easy to radicalize people. And I'm not saying that from you know a knee-jerk kind of point of view I I very much deal with extreme issues like that like conservative radicalization on a daily basis and monitoring that kind of toxic discourse and rhetoric online that's a huge part of my job and it is the most frightening and depressing part of my job because I would never have thought that we would see a resurgence in that kind of hate speech online five years ago six years ago no uh, and, and here we are. And um, y- you can kind of, in a lot of cases, dial it back to certain opinion leaders. Mm-hmm. And those opinion leaders are primarily, and this is n- by no means exclusive, but they are primarily white men. Yes. And I, I think that's something that's really important to talk about. You know, w- what the solutions are to an issue like that, I-, I-, I couldn't say. But I think it's important to recognize and to call bullshit on... The, the 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 people that are getting away with spreading this kind of hateful bullshit yeah 
No, um, I, I couldn't agree more. And listen, let's we're just going to wrap this up here now. Um, but if you've got anything you'd like to add to the conversation, you can find us on at speaking.queerly on Instagram and threads or speaking queerly with Madam Joe and Ruri on Facebook. And this is the sort of shit you'll hear on a regular basis. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's local queer issues that are not even just local. They're, they're issues on a national uh, a national basis as well. So yeah. we, we, we just, you know, it's good to talk about these things. And if you're in a different part of the country to us or if you're in a different country altogether, yeah. please let us know your experiences because we are more than open to, to talk about your experiences with your permission. Yeah, p- please do. I, I just want to echo that. I, I know for a fact that we have definitely got people... Um, you know, in, in, my, in my circle, for example, listening in Australia, yeah. people who've been listening in Sweden. And I think it would be fascinating to hear a comparative experience. You know, what, what are your experiences like in a rural town uh, in Australia? Um, I obviously have some experience of that. Uh, what are your experiences like in a rural town mm-hmm. in Sweden? Um, and even just other parts of the country. Because one of the things that I would say about Dumfries and Galloway is that obviously there are difficulties we are experiencing, you know, shit on, on a regular basis. Um, however, what I would say is that I, I, I went to university in Aberdeen. I've never felt more unsafe in any city in the United Kingdom, or in right. fact, I know I'm actually not even having a joke or on the planet than I did in Aberdeen. It was the most hostile environment I felt for, for, for me as a gay man at that time. That was about Oh Christ! You were you were just out the closet at five that or six point. years ago. You really weren't out the closet, absolutely, long. And, and very naive around it actually. Um, and you know, probably kind of holding on to a lot of you know silly types of privilege as a male, going for walks at night and things like that. I remember one particular occasion. I went for a jog. I used to go for a jog sometimes around the docks and things. And um, by chance, I'd headed out for a jog on a Friday night, right at peak kind of pub closing time. Oh God! Um, and all these straight guys pissing out of pubs in Union Street and it was absolute carnage um, I, 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 I've never felt more unsafe because every single prick on that street had something to say I bet um, you know and I, I'm, I'm not even well I'm, I'm quite camp but <laughs> you're camp but no one knows you're camp when you're going a jog yeah absolutely so it was definitely um, a lot and, and, and I, I have to say absolutely touch wood touching the wee the wee stovey table here. Um, I haven't experienced that level of aggression or that level of hostility in Dumfries. It's rare. If I'm yeah. out, if I'm out on the high street and I'm looking, and you know, out of drag, you know, I don't look any particular sort of way. I dress relatively plainly. Um, yeah. I've got a bald head and a beard, right? So when I'm out there, people don't see the camp side of me. They don't. They don't see that. But when Madame Joe is all fully garbed to the nines and is, is away, I walked in the high street. People see that campsite of me. Yeah. You know. Um. I'm sure if they started talking to me, like, if I'm out of drag, they're like, oh, gay. But, you know, when when I'm out there as Madame Joe, it's it's just plainly obvious. Yeah. It really is. Um. But yeah. Anyway. If you've got anything to add, please do. Uh, if you've got experiences you want to share and for us to discuss, please just send them in to our socials at speaking.queerly and f- on Facebook, Speaking Queerly with Madam Joan Ruri. R-U-A-R-I-D-H. <laughs> we'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to Speaking Queerly. 
We are going to go into a brand new segment, Ruri. I am terribly excited to have As it. am I. And I'm I think I'm going to do this instead of Madame Joe's Tune of the Week. Oh, love that. And it's great. It's very interactive. And we'd love to know your thoughts on socials as well. But this is where I head on to the wonderful land of Reddit. <laughs> yes, Reddit. And we are going to look at some Reddit stories, give our opinions and have a bitch. Oh, we absolutely love a bitch. And I'm calling this segment Read It, Read It. Squeal. That is that is a lot. We need a jingle for that. I it's coming. Scream. Let me put it in now. So this one comes from True Off My Chest, which is a subreddit. Okay. And the title is as follows. My husband advised his friend to hit his wife. Scream, what the hell? What the hell? So, um, this is from the Reddit user. A couple nights ago, my husband was on the phone with his friend. I don't know any details, but I know his friend is going through some things with his wife. We were laying in our bed with our son when his friend called. He was listening for a bit. And then he said, if she keeps that up, you know what to do. You have to talk with some women with, you just, wait, 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 wait. He said, if she keeps that up, you know what to do. You have to talk to some women with your fist. Wow. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? I was surprised to hear that. And I looked over at him. He told his friend to give him a minute because I was in the room. He gave me a kiss and told our son he'd be back and left the room to finish his conversation. I don't want to stress over it or cause issue, but has given me a bad feeling. I don't understand encouraging violence and my son didn't need to hear that. When he came back, I started to ask about it, but he shushed me and told me it was nothing to do with me. He told me not to worry about other people. I didn't press it and I let it go. He doesn't hit me. He's a great husband to me and I love him. Sometimes he raises his voice, but nobody is perfect and we have a happy family. So I just don't understand it. That's the end of the thread. Well, not the thread, but the post. That is super fucked up. It's so super fucked up. I am actually staggered by that i mean apart from anything else the fact that him coming back into the room and shushing her and telling her it's none of her business just belies a complete ridiculous fucking unawareness of the fact that he's obviously not in tune with her emotions at all. No. That's going to be intimidating. Like, if you think you know someone, you think that you're in love with someone, you think they're a safe person to be around, and then they pull that kind of bullshit, that is immediately, like, at least cause for a serious conversation. I would leave. I would leave. I've been with my husband now for 11 years. Yeah. If he turned around to one of his friends and told them to hit their partner... I'd be like, what? I would go. I'd yeah. be like, fucking go and stay with your mum for a couple of nights until we can have an adult conversation about this. Absolutely. And the fact that he shushed her? Yeah. And Just said it in front of the kid. Said it in front of the kid. That's a huge part of that as well because that 
first of all, we're talking about really toxic male behavior here because they're obviously talking about something premeditated that, you know, oh, like it, you have to get a message across and th- that that's so messed up. And we we hear that kind of talk from really toxic guys all of the time. And what is the issue there? Their dads spoke like that. I'm Their granddad pause this recording. My nose is bleeding because I just pushed my nose piercing into my septum. Squeal. Be back in a moment. I do apologise. Um, I had to go and um, wipe my nose because I scratched the inside of my nose with my piercing. <laughs> um, but you were saying before then it's something that's passed down from generations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if we if we look at these patterns of toxic male behavior um which kind of manifests in in a in a really disturbing way in a lot of straight relationships which is something that i feel needs so unpacked um these kind of conversations they're they're things that a guy's witness their dad talk like that and the dad's witness the granddad talk like that and it goes back and back and back and it's so disturbing because this guy is just perpetuating that because there's his young impressionable son in bed with his parents and then dad comes out with this crap mm-hmm. on the phone to his mate and it's so unhealthy really unhealthy um i don't know i i'm really not comfortable uh reading that and, and knowing the the situation that poor lady is in knowing that her husband is, is totally open to the idea of h- hitting their partner can I just c- come in here with something that I have always thought is a bit dodge about straight relationships? Go on. Um, I always think it's a little funny that you you see people that are in these straight relationships and then they find information out about their partner, like into a marriage, like they're 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 balls deep in a marriage. They've got kids and. Um, a man, usually a man, just makes some kind of feral comment out of nowhere one day and, you know, the wife is just left there like, what the hell have I just witnessed or experienced? And I think it's an interesting difference between straight relationships and queer relationships in that I think that we get to know our partners a little bit more intimately in terms of their backgrounds and their views because that shit matters in a gay relationship, you know? A, a, A point of view you know, whether it be a political point of view, your kind of your position on a bunch of issues, those things are important because we've been exposed to those things in a way that a lot of, you know, straight straight people are not. And it just feels to me so alien. They're so unquestioning yeah. with their partners. You just kind of like give your life to a person and then find out, oh, they're down with the, down with domestic abuse. Woo. Um, not great. Absolutely terrifying. Not great. Um, Love to know your thoughts on this, but I know my thoughts, you know, I think the thing that really gets me is the fact that he actually told his wife to shush. Yeah, absolutely. Like, actually stopped her from from saying anything about it. Yeah. That is really quite strange. Well, that would be super worrying because, again, I think the thing for me is that girl, he is not in touch with your feelings at all because if he had any sense of how you would be feeling about that, he's just dropped this brand new information that he's clearly got, a, a, you know, some kind of level in him where he's happy to talk about, like, basically premeditated discipline. Um, and you want to question that? You want to unpack that? And he's saying, no, nah, that's a closed conversation. 
we're, we're, we're not having this discussion. Okay, leave, Brad. Yes, <laughs> leave, Brad. Get away. Um, okay, we have 10 minutes left. Love that Ish. for us. We can do it as long as we want, really, but we'll keep it around an hour. How about we have another Reddit? Oh, let's let's have another Reddit. 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 So here's another one from True Off My Chest from Reddit user CautiousB8284. Title, my boyfriend, male 35, cried because he thought I left him. Now, if there's one thing you should know about me is I'm fucking illiterate. <laughs> so um, if there's any stumbles or anything like that, then yeah, onto the post. He came home late from an office party, already drunk, and had brought home drinks for me. I had a rough day at work and did not feel like drinking. So after spending some time with him, I went to bed ahead. Whatever that fucking means. Went to bed ahead. <laughs> we keep alcohol at home, some gin, whiskey, the basics, that we don't normally consume. I woke up to him still drinking, but we'd been together long enough that I was confident that he knew when to stop. Apparently, that was not the case this night. A first. He went to bed giggly drunk and kept murmuring that he loves me and wouldn't stop tickling me. I go to work pretty early compared to him, so I signed, I sighed in exasperation, told him I will sleep on the couch, and he left me and left him dozing alone on the bed. Told you, illiterate. It was around two hours later when I woke up to crying. I rushed to the ba- the bedroom and found puke on the side, thankfully none of the sheets, and my boyfriend on the toilet crying because he thought I left him. Now, a part of me is torn because although it broke my heart how bereft he was at the thought I left, he was in a fetal position sobbing on the bathroom floor, I am equally disturbed by how off his mind drunk he was. This never happened before and I hope to go... And I hope to go... I think they mean God. I (laughs) hope to God this will never happen again. Now I'm still awake, bothered by these chain of events, while he sleeps soundly beside me. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Now, I... I am not a big drinker. Mm Mm-hmm. But I have been in some states when I have drank. <laughs> like the time you, famously. You called the trolley dolly a cunt on the train. Yes. <laughs> Full on unprovoked called the trolley dolly, the lady <laughs> with the coffees, the teas and the biscuits, a cunt. <laughs> For no reason. Oh, dearie me. Um, we all get into states when we're drunk. This is what I'm trying to say. We absolutely do. Um, and, and, you know, thoughts can come to mind when you're drunk that are just completely fabricated and and they come from nowhere yeah so do you think that's all that happened here do you know what i think happened here and i think this kind of goes back to what i was just kind of getting at in in the previous post now obviously we don't have any kind of information to suggest what that relationship looks like in terms of is it a straight relationship is it a queer relationship We, we don't know however there seems to be a difference in how these people are communicating. Like, if you are super, super uncomfortable around drunk people and around alcohol, that's totally fine. That's totally valid. But I guess you have to have a sophisticated enough conversation with your partner to make sure that that's clear and to make sure that 
you know, you're not going to end up in a situation where you are confronted by somebody who's in that position. I mean, I historically I have been a drinker in the past there have been times no <laughs> shock kill surprise there have been times uh, in the past where I have been probably drinking massively to my detriment and one of the things that comes with that um you know and recognizing that you know when a particular when I was going through a difficult period around that um is I'm incredibly emotional incredibly emotional and that's not to say necessarily that I'm an emotional drunk I'm an emotional person all the time anyway but uninhibited me that's been drinking those emotions are going to come out mm-hmm. and I think the person who maybe made that post maybe needs to have a kind of a a, a question with themselves around okay what is your tolerance for being around drinking mm-hmm. you know um, have you had that conversation with your partner are you equipped to be emotionally supportive of your partner when they're in that condition because it's not necessarily their fault. Yeah. You know, if, if they're reacting a particular way, they're uncomfortable, they're, they're drunk, um, you know, do they need a, a different level of support? Are you able to offer a particular kind of reassurance or support for them? Or are you not able to show up in that way? And either of those situations is fine. Valid. Um, totally valid. But I, I just feel like these are the kind of things that couples need to nut out <laughs> a little I'd bit in so. advance. We actually have a couple of edits. Okay. Um, added on to the post. Now, this post in total got 3,290 upvotes with 116 comments. So it was, it's been quite popular. It's been up for six days as of Tuesday, the 31st of October. Um, the first edit, nothing serious. Spaces because bad mobile formatting. So they just added a couple spaces into the post. Uh, the second edit, I did not expect to get this attention, to be honest. I just tried and generally... Oh, wait, I was just tired and generally distraught at the thought of his reaction if I leave him. I won't, and I have no plan to. I decided to take the day off to watch him. He puked twice. Cool. He's now roughly soberish and can recall what made him cry. Turns out he had a nightmare that I left him, woke up, puked, conveniently forgot that I said I would be sleeping on the couch because he was drunk, and then his very unsober ass panicked and that is when i found him in the bathroom sobbing he is swear he is swearing off alcohol sweating i believe mm. he is or smelling he is swearing off alcohol for the foreseeable ah oh, right oh. he's swearing not to drink alcohol for the foreseeable future i mean we've all been there specifically you rudy yeah very um nice. we're not big drinkers so i believe him he just had too much fun last night and continued the party at home. Thank you for your words of comfort and the various drunken anecdotes. I will share them with the boyfriend when he is less embarrassed. So, you know, his drunk state of mind got him to a point where he was panicked about a dream feeling very, very real. I, yeah, I just, I think that the way... It, the, and this is just my personal view. I kind of feel like the language being used by the poster, a little bit unsympathetic, a little bit... It's evident that they're super uncomfortable. Yeah, I would be very unsympathetic as well. I, I get that. I t- I'm I t- that kind of gal. I love that for you. <laughs> I, I think, though... I mean, I'm just kind of thinking about... I mean, I have certainly had occasions where I've been drinking and I've been an absolute mess, greeting, crying, very sad. And 
the famous night that you called the trolley dolly a cunt, mm-hmm. babe, you were howling, mm-hmm. howling by the time I chaperoned you back to your husband um, and then continued howling. Um, do you know, and obviously it's, you know, w- when you're when you're that person, when you're in that kind of emotional drunk way and you wake up in the sober light of day, yeah, it's mortifying. But I think there's a huge, there's something really important about how your partner responds to that and how they show up for you, do you know? And Murray was a darling with you that entire night. He was obviously like, oh, for God's sake. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But he, I mean, don't get me wrong. If Murray turns up drunk to the house, my husband turns up drunk to the house and is in some bad way. I'll look after him. I'm not a dickhead, mm. but I'm so unsympathetic towards drunk people yeah. because it's uh, it's self-inflicted thing that they're expecting sympathy for. Yeah. And I'm just not that kind of sympathetic person to drunk people. No, totally. I mean, I, 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 I get that. I, I totally, I can, I can see that point of view. I think for me... It's slightly different, and I I think that comes from my own experience of, and this is not making excuses, but I think when I've been an emotional drunk in that emotional drunk kind of a way, I'm not in control mm-hmm. of that, and it's that's not to say I'm not in control of my body or anything like that, but like I'm very much, I don't have the fortitude to hold my emotions in check, mm-hmm. like I do when I'm sober you know so if I'm feeling like a super emotional sad kind of a way I could cry at any given moment on any given Tuesday um but you hold that together in a certain way when you're sober and then when you're uninhibited and you've had a drink and that goes out the window and those real emotions come pouring through and that I think that is really difficult to deal with as a partner I know that Derry's obviously had times where he's been like for crying out loud (laughs) where he's just like I cannot take another me just sitting greeting yeah because I'm so sad all the time um but what do we do about that? We have a conversation about that, Fair. you know? And I, th- I I just think that is the, the, the crucial thing. Like, I think it's important to understand as a couple, what can you cope with? And if you're experiencing something for the first time and you don't cope super well with it, maybe have a conversation about that and set some boundaries and set some guidelines so that, you know, you guys are moving forward in a really healthy way. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, I do. I, I have a lot of sympathy for this Reddit user um, and, and the person who posted this. As I say, I don't deal with drunk people very well at all, including my own partner. Um, I mean, I've been with Murray now for 11 years and even I still struggle when Murray's too drunk. I don't know how to handle that. Yeah. Um, and that's just from lack of exposure, to be quite honest, uh, growing up. Uh-huh. As I go through life as a nightlife entertainer, I am finding, okay, I'm getting used to this now. I know how to deal with this in a social way. But in a personal way, how do I deal with that? You know? And Murray, me and Murray have been through a lot together in our our 11 years of being together. And truthfully, I think we can get through anything now. We're at that point in our relationship, you know? we've, We've literally went through our adolescence into adulthood together. You know, it's that we've we've been through that as a couple and we can deal with a lot of things together and we can talk about these things like you say talking is the best thing you can do as a couple it's our secret weapon yeah absolutely. Um, and i wish more people would would realize that talking and working through those emotions and feelings is something that is is just so powerful uh, yeah a hundred percent and i i really think i mean not to um not to throw shade on straight people but also you know get it together but i i i truly think that um 
that's one of the things that queer couples tend to do really, really well is communication. Mm -hmm. And I don't know fully where that comes from, but I just, I, you know, I trauma dumping. Well, absolutely. (laughs) But I definitely think that there's something um, about a functional kind of queer relationship when, when, you know, we're doing it right. Um, that's so much more healthy and so much more informed. I think we know more about our partners. We understand them on a more intimate level. We are showing up to support them, you know, maybe slightly better. We are, we know where we can expect support back. Um, And sometimes I feel quite sorry for straight. I mean, have you ever had one of those experiences where you meet a straight girl drunk off her ass in the smoking area at the bar and she starts talking about her problems with her boyfriend? Yep. And I guess there's that kind of like stereotype of the gay guys are like, leave him. And it's like, do you know, that's not because we're cruel and just pulling the strings behind the scenes, but it's also because, girl, your boyfriend is not emotionally intelligent enough to show up for you. No. So leave him. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, And with that, we are going to bring this episode, the first episode of Speaking Queerly, the podcast, to an end. And that is where we would typically have a collective awe. Oh. I would love to thank the Stove Network for allowing us to use their equipment and their space to record this week's Speaking Queerly. And also a massive thank you to my wonderful co-host, Ruby Thinsmith. Oh, you're so very welcome, Joe. And thank you to you as well. And to all you wonderful people listening on Spotify. We will be back next week with another installment of Speaking Queerly. My name has been Madam Joe. Oh, yeah, they don't know about this. My catchphrase oh. is, tell your cat, I said, pss, pss, pss. Yes. So, my name has been Madam Joe Mama, and please, tell your cat, I said, 